Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. The Medical School Headquarters Podcast, session number 130. Hello and welcome to the Medical School Headquarters Podcast, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your pre-med success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help you on your path to becoming a physician. You'd think after 130 episodes, I wouldn't butcher the beginning of a podcast, but I almost did there. I don't know if you caught that. Anyway, thank you for joining us today or joining me today. Uh, There's no Allison today. So if you're listening for Allison, you can join us again another week because she will not join us. But uh, I do have an amazing guest and I will tell you about him in a minute. But before that, I want to let you know if you are interested in one-on-one tutoring for the MCAT, go check out Next Step Test Prep where they offer awesome one-on-one tutoring. We've had Brian, their top MCAT guy, on the podcast before. You can go check out those uh, episodes if you go to uh, our back catalog. Just go check out nextsteptestprep.com and uh, get some more information. If you do end up buying a uh, package from them or some tutoring from them, mention that you heard about them from the Medical School Headquarters podcast. That helps support us And you get a discount, which is awesome. All right. This week, I have a first for the Medical School Headquarters podcast. I have a guest who is Canadian. And I know that we have some Canadian listeners. And hello to all of you up there. I I, uh, got an email from Darby uh, about a week or so ago, a little more, almost two weeks, And he was saying how he has two acceptances to medical school in Canada and wanted to thank the podcast for the help and support uh, of him applying to medical school. He also applied to um, U.S. medical schools, and we got into a bunch of great discussion about some of the differences, what he learned, uh, the pre-med journey for Canadian medical student and some of those differences. So a ton of great information, and I hope even if you're not Canadian, you're not applying to, uh, planning on applying to Canadian medical schools, what Darby has to share is a ton of great information. So continue listening, and uh, let's get into it. Darby, welcome to the Medical School Headquarters podcast. I want to ask you, when you first realized you wanted to be a physician, when was that? That's a really good question. And 
Funny enough, actually, I probably have a little bit of a different, I guess, background than maybe a few of your listeners, but I know I do associate a little bit with some of them. Um, actually, growing up, I kind of thought back, I guess, elementary, junior high, even part of high school, that I'd be an engineer. I was really great. I love math and I just kind of I have that constant ambition and being able to build things. I'm a really hands-on person. And I didn't end up actually taking biology, what's 20 or 30, we call it here in Canada, which is kind of like grade 11 or grade 12 um, biology until grade 12. And so that was when I first got kind of the, f- the first hands-on experience with, with bio and the human body. And that's what kind of really sparked my drive for medicine. Um, also, just I love talking to people. And so the other one was that interaction. And that as much as I am, I love kind of the, the, the building aspect with engineering, I didn't necessarily want to have that desk job. Not to put it down, it's a really great job. But I just found it not being a perfect fit. So then that's where after graduating high school, I started a Bachelor of Science um, and actually majoring in pharmacology. So kind of drug related, I guess, a little bit different than pharmacy where it's more, more mechanism related, but start, started my journey for the next four years with a Bachelor of Science in pharmacology. So pharmacology to physician, that's a little different. And, and I guess so, yeah. You mentioned, and I'm sure those keen listeners can hear your accent. So you are from Canada, you're in Canada. I am, eh? <laughs> and, and you are our first north of the border guest, although we get lots of listeners up in Canada mm-hmm. and, and plenty of reviews. So uh, mm-hmm. awesome. Thank you for, for being our first. So, so excited. <laughs> so you emailed me with, with kind of your story, and I loved it. And I said, you need to come share your story uh, on our show to help others because it's awesome. So I want to go back. Uh, so you, you started your undergrad with this uh, pharmacology, right? Mm-hmm. What what was the path like for a Canadian undergrad? And if if you have some knowledge of maybe what it's like for the U.S., can, can you compare and contrast? Yeah, definitely. Um, I ended up going to what I guess would be a fairly large school here in Canada. I think there's... 50,000 people minimum, at least at the University of Alberta right now. Um, and my undergrad classes, and, and one of the biggest things I'm really looking forward to in medicine is that family aspect versus the kind of one against all aspect in undergrad, where there's um, for 90% of the courses in science, it's all curved. And everyone, I've even had friends before, where it's kind of one person's out to get another person giving false information. But undergrad, it's funny because up here in Canada, it seems that you don't really know what to do coming out of out of high school, which I'm sure is a very similar situation for all of your listeners. And so first year, about 90% of everyone you talk to is, oh, I'm going for medicine, which is awesome and I'm happy. And then second year drops off to maybe 60 and third year drops off to maybe 20, 30. And then fourth year, it's that 10% that are really holding on. And then of that, which is a giant difference from the states I know. Of that, maybe 5%, if you're lucky, of that 10% in fourth year actually get into medical school. Because here in Canada, I think we have around 10, if not less than 10, actual, they, we, there's a couple French and, and then the rest are English schools for Canadians. And so compared to your 140 plus schools in the States, it's definitely a giant difference. And especially when you're applying, um, you're at quite a disadvantage if you're applying out of province. So similar to a state and out of state. Um, the fees are going to be very similar for in-province, out-of-province, but at the same time, for example, I'm in Alberta, if I'm applying to Saskatchewan, the med class there is about 80 students, and of that, I think about 5 to 10 seats maximum are for out-of-province students, and so you're, you don't have a giant selection for whatever schools you are in province, so I definitely was lucky being Alberta, having both the U of A and U of C in province. 
Okay. So University University of Alberta, University of Calgary being those two. Exactly. Awesome. So that's that's interesting. So you, you went to a fairly large what I would call a state school, public school for undergrad. Mm-hmm. Knowing how hard it is to get into medical school in Canada as a Canadian citizen, what is pre-med advising like there? Oh, if there's my goodness. anything. Great, great question. And it's funny, especially after this year, after listening to all your podcasts and taking the plunge and applying to the States for, I mean, I love Canadian schools, but there, for lack of a better word, there is nothing. There is no pre-med advisor. There's no resources, really. There's no, I mean, unless you have friends that are in medical school that can maybe help give you some advice, there isn't really any, and and there's not even a pre-med program. And funny enough, I don't know if it's similar to the States, but it's kind of even looked down upon to call yourself pre-med. Sounds as if you're trying too hard, maybe. But the thing is that it's just the resources aren't nearly the same as in the States. And especially even for shadowing, it can be so hard to get our shadowing in a, in a hospital or basically impossible in an OR. So even when I was applying to states, state schools from Canada, lots of them look at you have to have 100 to 400 hours shadowing. And just there was no chance where I maybe had 30 to 50 if I was lucky. It's a completely different mindset. So when you're applying to schools here, they still do look at your GPA uh, your MCAT, your extracurriculars. And then of those, those are kind of the qualifying for an interview. And then an interview can end up coming in anywhere from 25% up to 50% of the of the total after that. Uh, but it's definitely a lot different where, where resource-wise, I was definitely a lot in the blue. And especially for first, second, and even third year, medicine just seems like such a, uh, like a, almost an impossibility even, if anything, that, oh my goodness, you're a med student? Did you win the lottery just about it? It's kind of crazy like that. When you look at the stats for states where it can be maybe 40 to 60% get in from there. So it's definitely a, a big difference. But I think one of the biggest things, and, and especially going through all four years and then having a, a two gap years as well here now, is the maturity difference. And so I think that was one thing that really shone through on my application. And looking back, if I could have told my old self, it would be everything will be okay. And I, and I think the biggest piece of advice I could give anyone is just to focus. And so if you know this is something that you want to do, focus all of your efforts into, into that specific thing instead of not saying you can't have fun with friends or go exercise. Those are still really great activities. should include those. But instead of like, even when I was in my, I guess, first, second year, you're always thinking of backup. So whether it was pharmacy or master's or PhD, push those out of your mind. Tell yourself, no, those aren't an option. And I think that was what the biggest mindset change was from after my fourth year and the two gap years was that I decided that if I didn't get in here, I mean, I'd applied to a number of the state schools and I was even looking at Australia as well, University of Sydney or Queensland. And I, w- I was dedicated. If it wasn't now, then it would be February in Australia. And I think that was what really changed my mindset and it's shown through on my application and interview. That's awesome. And, and that's something that I preach a lot is don't have a backup because having it, as you talked about your mindset, having that backup psychologically allows you to make some excuses a little bit easier and allows you to not push out of your comfort zone forward towards your goal and allows you to kind of fall back onto something else. So that's awesome. Mm -hmm. So you're a little bit of a non-traditional student having taken some gap years and we'll get into why you took the gap years, but I want to go back to this, this kind of lack of not having a pre-med advisor. Obviously, a non-traditional student listening to this may be in the same boat 
pre-med students that are also at large universities or maybe some liberal arts schools might not have access to pre-med advisors. What did you do in that situation, knowing that the the deck was stacked against you and not having the resources available? What did you do at that point to seek out information? Excellent question. One of the, I guess, main resources that I primarily use would have been the internet, although not the best. Um, I would look at the schools that I was applying to, first of all, just the qualifications. Make sure that I have the prereqs, um, look at what their maybe grade differences were or GPA differences for people that were getting in. Not that I wouldn't, I would only try to get a 3.8 if that's what it was, but just to have kind of a general idea on what it might be. And also looking at, um, I guess, what the certain statistics are for what they account for. So what, how much is the MCAT worth? How much is the GPA worth? How much are extracurriculars worth? And look a little bit at the mindset behind each school too, because I didn't have, I mean, Calgary is very close. It's about a three-hour drive and I have some cousins that live there, but I haven't had the opportunity to actually go and visit campus necessarily very much and get a feel for the school. So a lot of that does come through looking online, looking at what their school's values are um, and, and trying to go from there. A lot of it too as well that, that I eventually got was actually trying to reach out to current medical students, whether it's through friends of friends or just hanging around in that area and trying to maybe go to what would be the, um, so there is a medical admissions office and they are able to kind of give you some basic information or what they were great about is pointing you in the right direction. Even if they don't have a ton of resources at hand for someone you can speak to kind of with a, a one-on-one tutoring session or to, to give you some advice they still do know where to find the resources for you to come to. So I definitely would advise, I mean, whether it's your pre-med office or the medical student admissions office, going there, even if they aren't able to help you, they're able to point you in the right direction or get you help with the right people that, that are able to do that. And it's funny because looking back, I almost laugh at myself how much I thought I knew when in reality, um, it's, it's kind of, it comes to you slowly, but in order to really jumpstart that process, it helps so much in any regard, whether it's applying for medical school or if you're in medical school, I'm sure looking for residency or specialties or in any job, whether it's business or engineering, look for someone that is two, three, four steps ahead of where you are and ask them how they got there or look for someone that you want to be and then ask them how they got to where they are and they'll be able to help provide those steps for you, I think. Yeah, I love that comment because in with the academy and the office hours that we have with our academy, our membership site, we have members come and sit in office hours and just listen and somebody asks a question and as soon as that question is done being answered they go i had no idea about x y or z i didn't even know i should ask that question but now that it's asked i have all of these other questions i need to follow up with so asking those questions is is phenomenal reaching out to schools like you mentioned is is typically my number one go-to answer. If somebody has a question about a school, go and ask them. Don't ask me. Don't ask your peer. Go ask the school directly because more than likely they're going to be willing to help with help you. So that's, mm-hmm. that's awesome. So you, I think a lot of it too, oh, sorry. No, go I ahead. think a lot of it too is that how much initiative, how much you care will really put in that effort. Nothing comes, Nothing worth anything comes easy. And so no, it's not going to be easy and you'll have a big black cloud and unsure how to get anywhere but you're right, as you start to get take those first baby steps, more questions open up, more answers come through. And I think that's where really, if you have the drive and the initiative, go out there and, and ask those questions. Don't be afraid. And then people will definitely answer. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. On As you were searching the, the interwebs for answers, are there 
Canadian-specific sites that helped you on your search for any other um, any other Canadians that may be listening? That's a that's a really great question as well. And funny enough, although each of the schools do differ a lot in their mindset, um, there's not nearly as much variety, I would say, as um, American medical schools, especially when I've been looking. Um, where a lot of American medical schools, some of them are very niche, whether they're more for entrepreneurs or very tech oriented, um, or possibly very more, so, I guess, more socialist oriented, or or more so into the homeless population. I know some schools they would have certain um, programs or, or groups where you could do like kind of free volunteering groups with the homeless, etc. A lot of the schools in, in Canada, it was funny because I did rely a lot on, I guess, what would be just .com websites, so American websites. And at the same time, I know there's kind of the, the never want to speak about SDN. Um, and at, at the end of the day, it almost is in that all that ended up happening really was it ended up scaring you. And so it's more so that take the facts, but leave the opinions. Take the facts, but leave the opinions. And how do you sort that out? Uh, that's a good question. I think that that's where it really kind of boils down to making sure you do your own research, almost like when we're in science, you want to go to the source, to the peer-reviewed source. And that really is where it's the school's websites, I think. And calling the schools, talking to the advisors or talking to the admissions office and making sure that who you're talking to is credible and they're the ones that actually are giving you the information that isn't biased in any way. Okay. Awesome. Mm. So on your pre-med journey or not pre-med journey because you didn't want to be one of those people. <laughs> what were your biggest struggles? Good question. I would probably say I wasn't always like I'm, I'm not to toot my own horn, but I'm definitely not a genius. But I mean, anyone that gets into medical school is a smart person. And on a GPA, like out of four was amazing but it was like let's say somewhere around a 3.8 so it's not in any way amazing and especially for a Canadian school that is kind of an average of just below average GPA about Um, and so I think that was one of the biggest things especially after having applied after my fourth year or I guess just before like the beginning of my fourth to get in after my fourth uh, one of the biggest thoughts always in my back brain and up until even about a year ago was do I have the GPA do I have the GPA to even get in and what can I do to to fight and try to improve that is it after degrees or is it looking at master's programs or what can I do if, if I don't even have the grades to start off with? Uh, I think another one probably would be volunteering. And funny enough, because extracurricular are such a large portion, which I think they definitely should be, but it's not the amount of volunteering or, or I guess the, the amount of volunteering in different areas. It's where is your passion and how much volunteering area have you put into one area or two areas and how have you grown through this? And so I know I do have a few friends where they're like, oh, I have to volunteer in a hospital. I have to volunteer with homeless people. I have to volunteer with special needs. I have to volunteer with um, different minorities. And they're trying to get their hands wet in all different areas. But they haven't been able to take that step up and show that passion and really take that leadership position, which I think is so integral as a physician and is so integral as a medical student or, or a pre-med student. Um, and for me personally, one of the two biggest areas that I ended up volunteering in or working on extracurricular were uh, with Special Olympics. So with special needs individuals with mental disabilities and as well with the homeless population, there's a really great event here in Edmonton called Homeless Connect and it runs twice a year and there's a number of free services, whether it's for haircutting, dental, foot care, housing, and it's kind of a one-stop shop for a bunch of free services where homeless individuals can come in. And so I ended up working my way up to be a team lead within the organization and over the past seven years, 
having volunteered with them. And so I think the commitment um, shows more than anything. Whereas, whereas when I first started in year one and year two in undergrad, um, the biggest things I always thought I had to volunteer in a hospital. And I kept on putting it off and putting it off. And I actually have never volunteered in a hospital before other than doing some shadowing of, with a physician, uh, which might sound taboo to some of your listeners. But at the same time, it was that I, I found what I really enjoyed and I carried on with that and carried on with leadership positions in those. That's awesome. And that just goes to show you, we, we again, we talk a lot about quality extracurriculars versus quantity, the, the AMCAS application, and you have 15 slots to fill up, but that doesn't mean you need to fill them all up. And having those experiences like you had, where over time, you're building your commitment to an organization, you're building your skills in that organization, you're building relationships with people, and you're able to tell a better story on your application, uh, in your personal statements, during an interview, that's all phenomenal, and, and I'm glad that, that you, you stress that because it's huge. Definitely, and I think especially for, this, for, the, for the states as well, when I was applying to schools, because there's such a plethora of schools, and it's way different. Here in Canada, you might apply to two, three, four schools, maybe max. Um, if you're really ambitious, you might apply to five or six. In the states, I know lots of people, like I applied to 30, I think, and then of that maybe submitted secondary, well, submitted secondaries for them. And then of that, I think it kind of boiled down to about 10 I was looking at. So it's a lot different numbers wise. It's a totally different game. And one of the biggest things is trying to, they always look, medical schools for a good reason are looking for diverse classes. And so they're looking for very unique students. And so it's not good, I don't think, to be the cookie cutter med student where I have a 4.0, I volunteered in a hospital and um, I've, I've shadowed for, for 10,000 hours. That doesn't really set you apart. That's basically allows you to check the boxes, but it doesn't make you unique in that. Who's Darby? Why do we want him? And and what makes me kind of pause a second when I'm looking at his application and think, oh, cool, wow, it looks like he's actually put in that extra effort. Or John, oh, wow, it looks like he absolutely loves flying planes and he's been able to take this in and and help others and he's taught this uh, course within and he's gone far with this. And whatever your passion is, whether it's a sports or whatever hobby, I think if you really um, continue on with that and you become dedicated to it, not only will it be great for yourself because you actually enjoy volunteering and it won't be volunteering to volunteer, um, but it'll be volunteering where you actually gain new skills yourself, you'll enjoy it, and it'll pay off long-term in applications as well. That's awesome. You know what helps you stand out is having a name like Darby. <laughs> That's true, I is, guess. Is yeah. that a common name in Canada? No. Funny, funny story, though, actually. I have never met a single Darby until... I interviewed in January in University of Kentucky and until I was on the plane flight coming back from and I was chatting with the guy beside me and someone behind me when we got when I was just when the plane was landing said, hey, because I introduced I said, oh, I'm Darby, by the way, at the end of the flight. And the, some girl behind me actually was like, hey, you're Darby. No way. And so there was the first Darby other than I think I met a dog named Darby way back ago. But yeah, definitely unique name. All right. That's awesome. All right. So I want to jump ahead and talk about your gap years. Why Why did you apply late to medical school and, and what was the story behind you taking some gap years? Mm-hmm. That's a really great, really great story, I guess, in some ways. So coming in out of high school, grade 12, here I am thinking, all right, because here, I'm pretty sure similar in the States, you can apply after your first two years, you have to have 60 credits. Um, so if you've done full-time schooling for the first two years, then you can apply and you could technically get into medical school. It is It is a lot harder. You have to have a higher GPA and be a lot more competitive. But it is possible to get in after your second or your third year without finishing your degree. 
Back wow, in high school, I thought I'm going to be. That's very different than the States. That's pretty cool. Oh, it is different, hey? Yeah. Okay, yeah, a little bit different. Um, and so back in high school, my my juvenile derby, I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to apply after two years. It'll be great. I'll get in. I'll be such a young physician. I'll have the, be able to get my life started. And at the end of the day, I'm, I'm actually really happy. And these last two gap years have been just absolutely amazing in my maturity and, and who I am now and the reasons why I'm going into medicine. And so going throughout um, university, that was kind of my plan starting off, but I didn't end up taking my MCAT until after my second year and then rewrite, rewrote it actually after my third year again. Um, and then, then I applied after like at the beginning of my fourth year, similar to you guys, I guess you apply kind of in the summer before to get in. Mm-hmm. Except Canadian schools are similar to Ivy League where you don't find out until I literally just found out about Calgary three weeks ago or so and U of A was about a week or two ago. And so you don't find out until quite a bit later into May. Um, And so I had applied originally after or at the beginning of my fourth to get in after my fourth year uh, when I would have been graduating with a Bachelor of Science. And I got an interview and then I got waitlisted. And so it was at that point in my life when, almost when you were talking before about what scared me, and it was looking at my application, I thought my references were the best, my, my, I didn't think I could, how could I improve my GPA anymore, I already have four years behind me, would an extra year or two really make a difference in it when you're diluting your, your whole GPA throughout those four years? Um, I thought my extracurriculars were the best they could be, and it was kind of, what am I going to do now? I'd always associated myself with wanting to become a physician. Um, for reasons, I guess, of the, I love the science, I love the human body, I'm passionate about it. But I, I'm not going to lie in that maybe maybe half of it was for, for my own ideas and half of it could have been, I guess, for my parents or for society. Just everyone said that's a really great career. And I think it was at that point where I wasn't, I wasn't ready to, to take the next step. And when I talk about being passionate and, and going that extra mile, I wasn't at that point yet, I don't think, after my undergrad. And so at that point, just because I was afraid, what am I going to do? It actually applied to uh, business as an after degree. You can do a two-year and get your full Bachelor of Commerce as a two-year after degree. Um, the same as if you did a four-year, it's just since you have one degree already, a Bachelor of Science. And so I started that, that Bachelor of Commerce. I did the from September to August, or from September, sorry, to December. And then I started a co-op program. And so that's where you end up going out in the field. And so I started at a company called Melcor. It's a real estate property development company. Awesome company, but I had the typical Monday to Friday, 8.30 to 4.30, two computer screen, great office, great job. But it just, it, I, that's where I think I really found that it wasn't me. And so I'm the individual where I, I love having that constant ambition. I love having that drive. I love learning. Um, and I just can't really sit still in an area. I'll always, once I, once I get to a point, it's, I need to always keep on learning and finding new skills or, or being able to help in, in new ways. And that was one of the biggest things I think in the business world was I'm always staring at, staring behind someone else and you have to put in that time to get to where you are. But not just that, I think it was that that was really where I found where I thought I could do business or I thought there were other options for me. And I'd always been trying to convince myself almost over the last year and a half, two years, why not to go into medicine. And it really turned out to be, if I I look deep down in my heart, that every reason why not to go into medicine I was trying to convince myself really was a reason why. I love the challenge. I love talking to people. Um, I love the science. I love how it's hard to, I love how it's like an actual long path to get in. I love the education. For some people, when you tell them you're going to med school and it's going to be another four to 10 years with specialty, they look at you and think you're crazy. For me, I am so excited to go back to school in September. And I think that's really, really where it started to turn around. And also in the last two years, so I started the business after degree. I worked in kind of the corporate world for about a year, just over a year. Um, I had two of my own companies as well, a tech startup um, and an entrepreneurial consulting company. And I think that's where really the business side, and I think that's where I really started to become unique in my med application was I started to become kind of a business guy. Um, and that made me stand out. And over the last two years, 
because of that, not only I think will I have the, the skills or entrepreneurial skills, but also just being able to relate to patients where they have been. I've been in the nine to five. I know what it's like. Um, and I think the biggest thing was just really sitting down and looking at myself, where do I want to be in 20 or 30 years? Um, and, and I didn't want to have those regrets. And I think that's where it really got serious in that I was ready to go to Australia. And although it would be about 90,000 a year or to the States where it would be about 100,000 American, which is 120 Canadian, at least per year with our dollar, that I didn't want it to be 300 or $400,000 to be the reason now why I didn't become a physician 20 or 30 years down the road. Whereas before in my undergrad, that used to scare me and it was a reason why not to go abroad. Whereas now it, it didn't even scare me really. I was like, I'm ready. I'm going to try for here. I'm going to try for Canada because it will save me three, 400,000. But at the end of the day, I was ready to spend that because I, it really became that I knew I wouldn't be happy if I wasn't in that field. And, and also there's, I think I became to realize that I'm a science nerd and I love the human body and I love science. And I found myself really missing that and craving interaction with people too. And so funny enough, as I was mentioned before as well, earlier when we were off the air, that I'm actually working at Apple now as well. And so I ended up transferring from the corporate world to Apple. Just I'm a lot more of a people person. And so being able to actually interact with people over this next eight months, I really started to have almost not an epiphany, but a big life change in that even if I get in, let's say, well, this was thinking back in just last December or January, even if I get in in September, do I really want to kind of put in my time in for this next eight months and uh, for lack of a better word, end up hating my, my life kind of coming in and going out almost like a zombie because it wasn't me instead let's find a job where I can talk to people like in my life and, and start doing things because I want to do them um, and because it's who I am instead of just what I think people should expect of me or what medicine I think the, the criteria should be and instead being a unique Darby I guess yeah that's awesome so mm -hmm. you're you're my second Apple or ex-Apple employee so no way. First Canadian, second Apple employee. That's awesome. <laughs> there you go. So you you talked about applying to Canadian medical schools and applying to state schools. And I get emails a lot from Canadian pre-meds asking that question. What what is what are my chances do do American medical schools, US medical schools allow Canadians to apply? Are we considered international students? And what was your experience in hunting down U.S. schools that are Canadian friendly? Yeah, great question. So I ended up, I can't think of what the resource is now. You might be able to help me out. Through AMCAS, it was where you maybe paid, I think, 20 or $40 and then you got AMSAR? access to the AMSAR. Oh my goodness, that was my lifeline. And maybe coming from business, I went all out. I created a giant Excel spreadsheet. And I literally went through with all, I, so I just opened up the criteria to Canadian schools. And then from there, I added in all the ones that at least would be reasonable. So I, not that there's anything wrong with Harvard or Stanford, amazing schools, but with my experience, with my GPA, not a chance. So I didn't apply to those. I looked at ones where the average was anywhere from like a 3.9 or lower, kind of somewhere in around there. And I also looked at affordability. So kind of set my max around 70,000 maximum per year. Just our dollar used to be a bit better back then, but somewhere around 70,000, just anything more would not be affordable. And then from there, I created a giant spreadsheet on what their um, minimum kind of their course requirements were, what their minimum volunteering requirements were, whether there was shadowing, um, what the deadlines were, and kind of a short blurb on each school and the links to be able to get to the pages quickly. 
So I ended up having a Google Doc spreadsheet basically for all American medical schools, which I still have. And I feel like I should have some value out of it almost. I put so much time into it. And I think one of the biggest things, especially as a Canadian applying to American medical schools, um, I came upon your podcast probably somewhere around May, somewhere around there. So after kind of listening to five episodes per day and just (laughs) absolutely cramming it in all the amazing knowledge, one of the biggest things I think is to apply early. And that was where I put myself at a disadvantage because by the time I submitted AMCAS, I think it was late June, early July. And then by the time it was verified, it wasn't until early August, somewhere around there. And so when I actually got an acceptance letter for an, or an interview letter invitation for the University of Kentucky, it wasn't until maybe middle August, somewhere in there, by the time you completed the secondaries. Um, and so that was where it put me at a disadvantage. So I didn't actually end up having the interview until February. And I just checked every day and tried to bump the interview up until I got into January. But it still put me at a big disadvantage because by the time I interviewed, they'd actually filled the whole class already. Wow. So I would just put on like a whole list. So if I can give any advice, it's, it's tr- go try early, apply early, the earlier you can, the better. And don't, don't procrastinate, whereas you might be used to that in, in undergrad. And I think I put in, I, oh my goodness, the amount of hours. It was about a full-time job, especially or a part-time job, 20 hours a week doing the secondaries. That was the biggest thing. And so same thing, I used Google Docs so I could access it, whether I was at work or school or, or out on the go. And I had a running, kind of a running document of probably a good 100, 150 secondary questions now. But I'd have a running document of all the different schools so I could somewhat recycle some of them. Um, but there was so much writing because already you have the AMCAS application. And by the time the secondaries pull in, um, the secondaries could be anywhere from like one to two questions up to 10 questions with, with American schools. Wow. That's, that's incredible and just goes to show that the the dedication, the commitment that you put into it obviously paid off because you have two acceptances now um, and you got an interview at a U.S. school. And, and I would even say that you didn't apply that late. So it's, it's pretty incredible that uh, University mm-hmm. of Kentucky was offering interviews out that far already. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. But, but again, it's just more evidence to apply within that first week or so if, if you can. So that's awesome. So Darby... I want to ask you, as as now that you uh, have your feet up, kind of, you have your acceptance, you've you've kind of looked back at your journey. What's the number one thing that you want to tell the pre med out there right now, struggling on their path? <laughs> I love that you asked that. Honestly, oh my goodness! All right, well, if I could look back, I think it almost mirrors what I was talking about earlier. If this is what you know you definitely want to do, focus. Focus on what you can do to get to where you need to be. And I think the best way you can do that is talking to people that are already there um, and finding out how they got there and not mirroring what they did, but looking at the mindset of what they did. Um, And because resources are the biggest thing, whether it's you're going through those sleepless nights of studying for midterms or working on projects, especially over the four-year journey, I mean, school really is delayed gratification. And if you can put in that time over those four years and somehow stay focused that you know what the ultimate goal is, that's what I think will really get you through. Um, And I think the biggest thing too is just not to worry. Don't worry if you hear your friends, oh, he got a 90 on this and you only got a 70. Now I'm screwed. I'm never going to get into medical school. Think of it as in who who am I? And and challenge yourself. Don't, Don't compare yourself to others. Look at yourself and how you can be the best you and instead of freaking out, find out the best way and, and the resources that you can work towards and work with um, to be the best you. And I think instead of focusing on how do I become a physician, I think focus on how do I become a better me. Um, and, and mirroring, obviously, what 
schools need because you have to have some shadowing hours and you have to obviously volunteer. I mean, if you love video gaming, go ahead and video game, but don't video game all day. Um, you still look at how, what can I do so that at the end of the day, I mean, obviously the goal is medicine, but at the end of the day, what can I do so that even if I didn't get into medicine, I still can be the best me, not with a backup plan, but how, what can I do so that I can be a true Darby at the end of the day and what really makes me happy. And I think that's what will really get you through those, the, the tough times where I think that, cause the hardest part really is putting in all that work without ever knowing until that one day when you get the interview or get the acceptance letter, whether you're in, um, and you put in all this work and knowing whether or not it actually will have any effect is just have faith in yourself and put in, put in the effort to be you as silly as that might sound. Don't try to mirror other people. If you heard of someone else that got in because they volunteered with this, don't do that unless you really enjoy it. Do what really makes you happy. I think. All right. I love that. Focus and be the best you. Now, it's funny, I was, while I was listening to Darby talk and hearing him say that he's listened to all of the podcasts, like five of day at some points, the information that he's talking about, what he has seen come to life for him and everything that he's experienced, it's, it's amazing. We've, we've covered a lot of that before. We've talked about the quality of your extracurriculars and not the quantity. We've talked about applying early. We've talked about so much that Darby talked about. So if this is your first podcast or that your third podcast and you haven't listened to the other 129 or so, go back, subscribe. You can download them all at once, which is awesome because uh, it looks good uh, for my stats. It's fun to see that. Um, but if if you need to go back and listen, go start from the beginning. I guarantee you, even though those are older episodes, you'll still get a ton of great information out of them. So thank you, Darby, for taking the time to to share your story with uh, us today. Medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes. Go there, medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes, and leave us a rating and review. It takes two minutes and makes a world of difference for our ability to reach new audiences. And we got three new reviews in over the last week, and it's amazing what people say as far as how long it took them to leave a review. So if you've been delaying, that's okay. Just the, the best time to do it if you didn't do it yesterday is to do it today so medicalschoolhq.net slash itunes we had international anatomy freak write a review that says beyond awesome we had j zero rents say all the guidance you will need and we had Ryan CT say, I am now my own pre-med advisor, which is awesome. Says uh, all the resources uh, advertised by this podcast are truly all the information you need to succeed as a pre-med. And here's one. He says, been listening for a long time, Ryan. Sorry it took so long to finally leave a review. That's okay. You left one. So that's all that matters. So if you have been listening for a while and you haven't left one, medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes. All right, again, uh, I want you to go check out nextsteptestprep.com for great one-on-one MCAT 
tutoring, even if you've taken a Kaplan course or a Princeton Review course, the one-on-one tutoring that you can gain from Next Step Test Prep can take your MCAT game to the next level. Mention that you heard about them through the Medical School Headquarters podcast. Also, go check out Pre-Med Life magazine at premedlife.com. An amazing compliment to the podcast. You can get a print edition uh, subscription or digital subscription to Pre-Med Life magazine. Again, premedlife.com. That's it for today. I hope it was a great episode. I hope you learned a ton of great information. And as, as always, I hope you join us next time here at the Medical School Headquarters. Wow, my first Canadian, and we didn't even talk about Molson or say A. I think he said A once, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, have a good night or day, whatever time it is. Have a good one.